trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a politics and news podcast with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Louise Parada, and Ian Forty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a politics and news podcast for that ass. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who's on the phone? Race to say your name first. I'm Louis Prada. Oh, it was so much closer this time, but Louis got in first again. It's a lie. No, it was it was pretty definitive, but still close. Neck and neck. A photo finish. Ass and ass. Ass to ass. <laughs> oh, fun requiem for a dream riffs. <laughs> How's everyone doing since we recorded last, which was weeks ago? It feels like weeks ago because it was weeks ago, but weeks ago in coronavirus time feels like six, seven months ago. Yeah, I think like it feels like an epoch. I'm not sure what an epoch is, but I'm going to say about two weeks ago was an epoch. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a score since we talked, at least. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm doing good. I'm all right. How about you, Ian? Uh, no. Oh, damn. <laughs> not, not well, but you would think I had corona given my ability to maintain employment right now. But that's a different Toddcast, so. Coming next week to the Unpops Network. <laughs> That's not true. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, things are things are going fine here, except for the part that we're still hurtling toward the 2020 election. And our only candidates are Biden and Trump. Good times. Mm-hmm. And they will only be I, I get a real kick out of the uh, the few remaining Bernie uh, fans out there who are uh, still holding on to the idea that he's going to like rejoin the race instead of the. F- the truth, which is that he's fully on board with Biden and helping him win. Yeah, I don't think Bernie's coming back. No one's coming to save us from Biden. Exactly. Yeah, we're, it, that, that ship has sailed. It's done. I really wish Twitter people would drop it already. Corn pop. <laughs> I will be a cabinet member. I think our only hope at this point is if Jesse Ventura runs as a third party candidate. That's where we are in 2020, where Jesse Ventura would be a welcome breath of fresh air compared to the maniacs we have running as Republicans and Democrats. Let's get, a, let's get a sane voice in the White House for a change. Jesse the Body Ventura. I used to be able to do a better impression. I'm sorry, guys. His campaign yeah. ads would be so fucking great. Oh, that'd be amazing. Be produ- well, no, they wouldn't be produced by the WWE. You know Trump is, uh, they're still going for Trump. Yeah. So speaking of Trump, should we get to our first segment? As I mentioned in the the stuff before we started recording, I'm going to have to reach to start this music, which, oh, what a fucking hassle. But here we go. Hey, this is a segment we call fashion, just like the word that's being shouted over and over in this little clip implies uh it's about you know how the country and the entire world is just slowly descending into fascism and we're just all along for the ride let's talk about some obamagate updates hashtag obama dates that's how you shorten that word mitch mcconnell has come out in support of calling obama officials to testify this shit is not going away. It feels like we did a, a little more in-depth episode of the Unpopular Opinion podcast about Obamagate and what's at the crux of it, which is almost nothing relating to Obama, if you can believe that. But nonetheless, this shit is pushing forward. McConnell said he'd schedule a vote for June 4th on wide-ranging subpoena power for the Senate Judiciary Committee to open an investigation into Obamagate. Who's excited for that TV? Oh, I'm thrilled. It does. It, but that's the thing is, it does seem like a rerun because it, it's it is now by now just like a baked in standard boilerplate Republican election year tactic that I really hope people. It, it happens so often and so much that people. I hope they catch on to the pattern of that this is happening. That hey, the Democrats have finally settled on a candidate. Well, the next logical step is that Republicans investigate them because they were a part of some vast conspiracy. Come on. We've seen this shit already. We saw it with Hillary Clinton 
because the Republicans saw her coming from a mile away. So they started that shit way early. And now we're seeing it with Biden. Yeah. And it it really is. We mentioned uh, what happened in Brazil on the last episode, and it really is very similar to that because it's one side opening an investigation into malfeasance and then the other side using that investigation as means to launch another investigation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out on June 4th, because this was kind of a change of course for McConnell. A few days earlier, he went on Fox News and kind of wavered on whether this should all go forward. And then the Federalist wrote an article called Memo to Mitch McConnell. You won't get judges if you don't hold a resistance accountable for Russia hoax. That would have been more fun if I just read that title cleanly, but it's fine. Trump then retweeted that article along with this message. Mitch, I love you, but this is 100% true. Time is running out. Get tough and move quickly or it will be too late. The Dems are vicious but got caught. They must pay a big price for what they've done to our country. Don't let them get away with this. And with that, Mitch McConnell was like, okay, yeah, now that you put it that way, which is insane, but I guess it's not that surprising that people are falling in line with this. I just find it crazy that Trump has that power. Like a, a, a big running theme of everything that happens in this administration is really for this guy, you're going to fall on your sword for this guy. And obviously it's not just for him. It's the window of opportunity he, rep- he, he represents with judges and all sorts of shit. They can hammer through whatever they want to do. Uh, but the ability this man has to on a dime just say hey you should be doing this and everybody going you're right sir absolutely i should be doing that yeah and it's it's weird how this investigation is i mean it's not weird it's unsurprising as fuck that this investigation is all about oh well the department of justice and our intelligence agencies were abused so Obama could punish Trump. So now in response to that, we're going to abuse the DOJ and the FBI to punish Obama. It's I, I don't understand why no one ever calls them on that justification and points out that they're basically doing the same thing. Politics, uh, uh, Democratic politicians, I find, are not great at pointing out the obvious. That's very true. Lindsey Graham also is now on board with this. Uh, We did mention, I think, last week that at first he seemed like he wasn't interested. He, uh, when first asked about investigating Obama, said, I think it would be a bad precedent to compel a former president to come before the Congress. That would open up a can of worms and for a variety of reasons. I don't think that's a good idea. Which was cool, but then Trump tweeted at him the next day. And now he not only wants this to go forward, but he wants to release the findings of the report by October. Just in time for that election that's supposed to happen in November, but probably How, how convenient. Yeah, weird. It's uh, almost as if they learned something from 2016 when we announced Hillary Clinton was being investigated two days before the election. Mm-hmm. But I guess the bright side right now is that William Barr says he doesn't picture this leading to an investigation of Biden or Obama, just everyone else. Yeah, I, I want to know. I, I think we should place bets at how long Barr's position on that is going to it's going to take before it changes. I say probably September. Yeah, it'll be late summer mm-hmm. at, at worst because there's yeah. there's no way I, I still think this is an example of William Barr just not wanting to say something too soon. Just like with Lindsey Graham, when people were like, yeah, but Lindsey Graham said we're not going to investigate Obama. That was my suspicion then, was that Lindsey Graham was just not saying it yet. And now a few more days have passed, and he's saying it. And Trump keeps saying that in a few weeks we'll hear something about this. There's this vote on June 4th. Should be interesting. It won't be. It'll be depressing. Yeah, it'll be it'll be horribly depressing. It could be both. Yeah, I don't know why it couldn't be. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry for being so exclusionary, guys. Yeah, you're being a real <laughs> buzzkill on this episode. Oh, I'm so sorry. How many times have you seen a president arrested? None. None. But now I'll have my chance. Yeah, it's like living to see the apocalypse. It's going to be great. Instead Yay. of the destruction of the world, it's just the destruction of American democracy. Yeah, and either way, thanks, Republicans. Thanks so much. All the time, Republicans. I just, ugh, I hate so much that Joe Biden's running. 
There's not a lot of Obamagate updates, just that more and more people seem like they're on board with it now. We'll keep an eye on it. You won't need us to. Eventually, this will be the only news story you hear about, especially when coronavirus disappears as if by miracle. But first, let's get to our next segment, which we call Sacrifice to the Elites of the Week. Ian Forty, let's talk about Grubhub. Fuck Grubhub. That's... That's, I mean, we could end this just right there, but probably someone out there might want to know a little bit more information. Yeah. People do, especially now with as much as people are ordering food, this is, this is definitely stuff people need to know. Yeah. And that's the thing. They've kind of got everyone over a barrel because they're like the biggest name in food delivery right now. You can order, you know, back in the day, you could get pizza and Chinese delivered to your house. And now if I need escargot and caviar tacos someone's gonna do it for me and it's probably thanks to some grubhub delivery driver bringing it to my house but the problem is that grubhub kind of screws restaurants like that was their original intention of delivering food is kind of a side effect so this was on buzzfeed news um which i guess is mostly reliable sure they do funny lists and hard-hitting journalism they broke the steel dossier see there you go they're on top of p tapes and everything Oh, anyway, the, the gist is that when you call a restaurant, you're going to be calling Grubhub, whether you realize it or not, because Grubhub will assign every restaurant that works with them a new phone number. And because Grubhub is so big, when you Google that restaurant, the Grubhub search result pops up first on Google rather than the restaurant for the most part. So you're going to call that number and it's going to redirect you to the restaurant, but it's going through Grubhub first so that they can get their cut, which is based on a flat fee that takes an average order from the restaurant and determines that fee. Which means that if you call a place to order a coffee, which was the example given in the story, the fee Grubhub charges the restaurant is $6.42 for, you know, you're like a $2 coffee. Oh, so that wasn't like a $26 coffee. Hopefully not. Because then it would have been mean, fine. Yeah, that's, that's legit. But Grubhub uh, don't give a shit. And they defend this by saying, well, you, you know, that was in the contract you signed when you joined up so but everyone knows nobody reads fine print and that's a terrible legal defense and i shouldn't have even said that but still it's a it's a shitty defense on their part you're like oh well you agreed to this initially but i bet that was never explicitly written out in a way that anyone understood exactly that that's always a weak argument to me because it like the last dance the documentary about the chicago bulls just ended and one of the big plot points throughout that was scotty pippen signed this terrible contract as a rookie and they'd never renegotiated it during his whole time as a Chicago Bull, even when he was one of the top five players in the league. And their argument was always, well, he signed the contract. And it's like, yeah, but you took advantage of a fucking young, poor kid who was going to sign any contract you put in front of him. Just because the law agrees with you doesn't make it a good defense. You still need to do right by people. Yeah, but Grubhub is clearly not uh, in that school. <laughs> and apparently there's there's some evidence that if you call the restaurant and, you know, maybe you're just saying, do you guys sell pants? And the restaurant's like, no, sir, we're a restaurant. And that's the end of your interaction. Grubhub still logged the call. And so they're going to get their flat fee because somebody called the restaurant using the number that Grubhub set up. It's ama- That's an amazing scam to try to, to make money off of uh, a nothing event. That's where the real money's at in life. There's so many non-events, things that didn't transpire that I didn't realize I could be making money off of. In my single days, if I hit on a woman, I, I should have found a way to monetize that. <laughs> the failure that resulted from it. Some people do fail upwards. Yeah, like a self-esteem app where you, yeah. you hit on someone and then you send them a request for like 75 cents. <laughs> You're welcome for making you feel better. Pay me. That would be huge. Huge. Yeah, I like the I as much as I'm on board with fuck Grubhub, the the next point you have here about Chuck E. Cheese, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with this <laughs> little this little sh- like, scam they pulled. Yeah, I feel like this one's a little more divisive. Maybe maybe there are people, I guess, in, in both camps here, but there's another story about Grubhub this week that um and yeah, specifically related to Chuck E. Cheese. I've never been to a Chuck E. Cheese, so I can't attest to the quality of their pizza. Excuse me? Never once? Never once. Wow, go now. Are they in Canada? I don't think they are, actually. So that could be part of it. But I've heard rumors that their pizza is like if sadness had cheese melted on it. It's not amazing, that's for sure. No, I would say, though, surprisingly good considering that off in the corner there's an animatronic rat singing at you. 
I mean, anytime you have to qualify something with either singing rats or even just the word surprisingly good considering, <laughs> we're, we're in a bad place. But yeah, so, so the general idea is that most people perhaps would not willingly order Chuck E. Cheese pizza to their home. And Chuck E. Cheese, I guess, realized this. So they are now pretending to be a different restaurant on Grubhub. They're Pasquale's Pizza. <laughs> because Pasquale is the drummer in Chuck E. Cheese's band. And he also makes a fine pie in his downtime. People don't know that about Pasquale. He's a businessman. Also, by the way, According to the uh, the Wikipedia that is specifically created for the uh, Chuck E. Cheese cinematic universe, or whatever you'd call it, um, Pasquale is also an aspiring stand-up comedian. He is a renaissance man. He is. I'm surprised he doesn't have a podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> the Pasquale pod. Pasquale's pizza pod. Yeah, I feel bad for Chuck E. Cheese. Here, where I'm locked down at, I saw signs on telephone poles advertising $5 pizza at Chuck E. Cheese, which seems like such an archaic way to advertise. But what else are you going to do? Like, you're only going to go to Chuck E. Cheese specifically for pizza if you just see a surprise deal out in the open. Mm -hmm. Unless you're really hankering for a nice song and dance from the Rat Band. <laughs> Now, see, if they would do that, if they would deliver the pizza and there's just an animatronic band on the flatbed of a truck outside your window, cranks out Stairway to Heaven or something, that'd be great. Or the way, like, singing telegrams used to be delivered. I think they could bring that back. Obviously, keep your distance, obviously. But uh, I think a, a lot of the uh, the safety concerns would be uh, solved by the mascot outfit. There is a comedy club in Los Angeles called Flappers. That is, uh, I don't, the, it's... I think exploitative is the right word. It's the kind of place where for $400 you can take a class to learn how to become a stand-up comedian. And you won't you won't learn how to become a stand-up comedian, but you can take that class. And they were doing a thing in the early days of this pandemic where if you ordered food from them on Grubhub or DoorDash, a stand-up comedian would deliver it and then also do a 10-minute set in your living room. Which, as someone who does comedy on stage, I can assure you that would be hell on earth. Oh, no. Imagine you order some onion rings and Louis C.K. shows up with one on his dick. <laughs> and this was even after, like, the there weren't official orders to not gather publicly, but people were like, all right, we should probably stop gathering publicly. Meanwhile, Flappers was like, how about you invite 10 friends over and get a comedy show with your free cookie? God. What a nightmare. That is so also morbid and so sad. I don't want to know this happened. God damn it. That's I, I, <laughs> honestly, arguably sadder than anything we have on this document in front of us right now and everything we've talked about so far, anything that we know might happen in the future politically. <laughs> it was really just dreadful. I have to find someone who actually did that. Oh, please. Like, I have to be able to track down a comedian who delivered food and then delivered jokes. <laughs> deliver the food, deliver the funny. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the last thing here about Defy Media? Oh, yeah. See, this is my, my personal Grubhub animosity um, is based on a tad bit of bias because the head of the board of directors for Grubhub is the former head of Defy Media. And he's the former head of Defy Media because one day, literally overnight, they just closed that company down and never came back, despite the hundreds and hundreds of employees like myself who hadn't been paid in months. Um, and not to mention the, the YouTubers that are still owed several millions in back pay as well. Yeah, I was going to say, but surely everyone was paid after they shut down, right? Surely we all were. Oh, and then they liquidated the assets and gave them to the creditors. And none of the employees. So, and then he blocked me on social media when I was asking him about it. So, what a classy gentleman. Yeah. 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 So, but at least if I order a coffee, he can get more than it's worth from the restaurant I ordered it from. Yeah. It really is crazy how Grub, not just Grubhub, but places like DoorDash and even Yelp take so much from these restaurants. And especially now with restaurants not being able to have people in the restaurant eating, it's really important if you're ordering food, at least try to find that 
website's or that restaurant's actual website and at the very least order directly from that website or best case scenario call them from the number on their website so you know you're actually calling them and not the Grubhub Gestapo line that <laughs> spies on all their incoming phone calls so they can make sure they're not getting bilked out of an extra six bucks. My God, that's sad. There was one other point that I wanted to make, uh, uh, and that is, fuck Grubhub. It's a fair point. Indeed. Uh, I, have a, I have a story I want to talk about in this segment, too, which is also pretty fucking bonkers. Trump administration is going to end National Guard deployments one day before re- retirement benefits kick in, more than 40,000 National Guard members have been deployed to various states to help with coronavirus relief efforts. During an interagency call, an official with FEMA said those Guard members will face a hard stop on June 24th to prevent them from reaching 90 days of duty. Why? Because once you hit 90 days, you get retirement and tuition benefits, and the government doesn't want to have to do that, which is unspeakably harsh, if you ask me. Well, it just goes hand in hand with Republican governance, doesn't it? It's just their whole playbook during the pandemic has been to do as little as humanly possible with the awesome powers of government because they're scared like people might realize that government can actually help you and do good things if you want it to. Uh, And because they're so ruthlessly dedicated to like the myth of the uh, like the, the bootstrapping individual will do everything on his own that they're afraid that if you get like a second $1,200 check, you'll like fucking transform anamorph style into like a communist revolutionary or something. Yeah. And the, what's especially crazy is it's not like once you hit 90 days, you get a lifetime pension or anything, which by the way, pension, how fucking nice would that be? That used to be normal America. Everyone used to have a pension, but anyway, it's not even that. After 90 days, you to get a pension from the National Guard, you have to be enlisted for 20 years, which is a long time. But for every 90 days you serve during an emergency, you can shave three months off that retirement time. So the only, oh, and you get tuition assistance benefits from the government. So the only thing that's at stake here is these 40,000 troops who've been deployed could potentially retire three months earlier at some point in the future and get a little help with college costs. That's it. And just even that little concession to what they're doing to help this country is a bridge too far for this administration. But please tell me more about how Republicans support the troops. My God. That is, by the way, just a that idea. I love the uh, that if you are have to work in really dangerous emergency situations. It's like your life is on fast forward. All of a sudden, your benefits kick in earlier. I love that idea. And the only way to make it bad is to just take it away from people. That's literally it. You have to, the worst thing imaginable is just to end it right before it kicks in. And that's just, that's just so purely, like transparently evil. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And it you know those people weren't deployed with the understanding that this was going to happen. I'm sure no one sat them down and said, by the way, this is going to last 89 days so you don't get any additional, additional benefit out of it. So imagine you're doing this for 65, 70 days, and then all of a sudden this memo comes down. That would be so fucking demoralizing. And I'm not a military expert, but I think morale is pretty important when it comes to the troops. You want you want to keep them happy. And this isn't going to fucking keep anyone happy. We're just going to, like, I would leave. Like, I can you leave? Can you just leave the National Guard? Can you be like, no, I'm not giving you two weekends a year. Republicans, Republicans and Trump in particular in this administration, do they seem to be especially good at alienating everyone they could potentially want on their side. Like, I, don't, I don't understand it. And I mean, obviously, they're probably going to still retain a lot of those people, but... I don't see how the end result of this isn't they lose so much more support than they ever would have. If they just were good people, just be fucking good and give people the benefits they earned. Yeah, I don't see how this isn't a bigger story. Like, this seems like such a scandal to me, and it's not really getting that much attention. I've seen a couple people tweet about it, but it's not like, like, this should be a headline. This is fucking nuts. Like it's, it's right up there with, you know, refusing to pay medical care for 9-11 first responders, which is also a thing we've done as a country. 
And it's always Republican administrations that do this. And somehow they always come out the other end, still looking like the most patriotic side of government, which, oh man, it speaks to so many problems in this country. Well, they have the, they have the flag pin on their lapel, Adam. I mean, what more do you want? That's true. And now that flag pins are impossible to find thanks to coronavirus, they're going to be the only ones that have them. God damn it. Those necessary PPE flag pins. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Should we get to our next segment? What is it? I don't even know. You're about to find out. I don't think even he knows. Let's get to the segment, then we'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to Where is Joe Biden, the segment wherein I, Louis Prada, tell you what the Democratic presidential nominee is doing, because without me, you'd have no clue. And it's not your fault. Possible future president Joe Biden got trapped in his crawl space while trying to track down a mouse in his basement shortly after we all went into quarantine. He promises he'll get his shirt unhooked from a rusty nail in time for the debate, but it's not looking good. But don't worry. Joe may be so absent that it's turned his campaign into an eerily accurate performance art piece about your relationship with your father, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been working hard crafting campaign strategies that will ensure that Trump and his merry band of fascists are soundly defeated come November. This week, we got a small taste of what Joe has in store when he debuted a scathing new nickname he's devised for Trump. The nickname will surely skewer his soul in ways that Trump, T. Rump, and Cheeto Mussolini have yet to accomplish, even though they were created in labs by the DNC's top insult comics to deal maximum emotional suffering. Donald's skin is liable to blow clean off his skull and hit the wall behind him with a big sloppy wet slap when Joe unloads both barrels of nickname fury when he calls Trump President Tweedy. That that's the na- that's the nickname. That's the whole thing. T- President Tweedy. But can't you already smell the three quarts of oily shit that'll drop out of Trump's ass when he hears it? The last thing we'll see of him before his body combusts from being so thoroughly owned by the words President Tweedy will be his odd cotton candy quaff of hair softly wafting to the floor to take his rightful place among the viscera. Congratulations, Joe. You assassinated a president with a nickname. Besides proving that insult comedy will not be a part of his fallback plan should this whole president thing not work out for him, Joe made some more appearances during virtual fundraisers this week. If you heard last week's edition of Where is Joe Biden, you learned that Joe's virtual fundraisers always seem to be perfect, deep-inspired satires of themselves, where anything that can go wrong does in the most comical way possible. Remember when that bird landed on Bernie Sanders' podium and leftist Twitter took it as a sign from above that he was the chosen one or whatever? Well, the universe is letting us know that we're in just okay hands by making some geese honk whenever Joe tried to speak during a fundraiser with the Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders Victory Fund blinders off from most people. You know, the people who weren't necessarily prejudiced but just didn't focus. That's the geese you hear in the background. (laughs) Only Joe Biden could still get heckled by protesters while self-isolating at home. But to be fair, the geese did make some great points about immigration reform. And the geese weren't even the end of the interruptions. iPhones rang and a Secret Service agent donned in a delightfully springy shade of pink wandered in and out of the background. Now, these kinds of dumb, ultimately meaningless fuck-ups that, look, don't get me wrong, I greatly appreciate as a comedy writer, they tend to drown out the good things Biden says in any given week. Like this week, how he said he wouldn't pardon Trump if he became president. He also said he would rescind the Keystone Pipeline permit, effectively killing the project once and for all. And he also promise not to repeat the mistakes of Trump and Obama when it came to immigration. This segues beautifully into Biden's Latino outreach, which there really isn't a whole lot of, according to 20 Latino political operatives, lawmakers, and activists interviewed by Politico. Latinos are going to be the single largest non-white voting bloc come election time, and don't forget that we are on pace to take over the country demographically in a few years, at which point we'll put a taco truck on every corner, not because we want to, but just to spite that one racist gringo asshole who said that shit years ago like it was a bad thing. But listen here, Joe. We are the future. Pander to us now so we'll vote for you later. And don't pander the way Hillary Clinton did by writing that monstrously stupid article on her campaign website, Seven Ways Hillary Clinton is Like Your Abuela. Fuck you, you're not my abuela, she was awesome. Don't throw random Spanish words at us and expect us to think you were on your side. Talk about immigration reform, talk about releasing migrants from cages, and talk about how you can make our largely poor communities more prosperous, while also keeping in mind you'll be talking to a lot of people who had to flee the bad kind of socialist countries, and may be a little hesitant to embrace anything that 
gives government more power, even if there are nothing but upsides with your proposals. We are a large, complicated group of people from a lot of different places with a lot of different tragic backstories. We share a language, there's a lot of overlapping cuisine, but we are not a monolith. It will take a lot of work to win us over now and forever. It's nice to see that in response to the news of your lagging Latino support, you brought in three new Latino advisors. That's great. Awesome. It's a good start. But it's just that. Just a start. So you better get to work because you've got a lot of Latino asses to kiss. But keep in mind that as Latinos, we like a nice double cheek kiss. And we're back. Oof. I was so good. I was blistering. You were on fire, fire, sir. Mm. Amazing. All right. So all of that happened. All the things that I said, some of it was hysterical, as we can all attest to. But the thing I want to talk about right now that I really should have run past you before, I realize, but just breaking news, like hours before we recorded, Joe Biden did an interview with Charlemagne the God uh, that is so like choice Bidenism. It's it's so perfect. It would have fit perfectly into the segment if I had made it if it, all this had happened yesterday but if the recap of it basically it was being interviewed by uh, charlemagne the god of the breakfast club and uh he basically said that if you support donald trump quote you ain't black uh wonderful. yeah he didn't not even if you support trump he just said if you're still undecided yes. about mm-hmm. whether to vote for biden or trump you ain't black <laughs> And somehow resisted to resisted the urge to add Jack at the end of that. <laughs> I know he wanted to. Oh God. Yeah, it's it is like to me, that is the, the platonic ideal of a Biden gaffe. That is like classic. That's what you're getting with Joe. Just complete foot in the mouth, old white guy stupidity. It is unbelievably good. Yeah, and the people defending it. Like, this is an indefensible thing to say. But because so many people are viewing Joe Biden as literally our only hope against Trump, he's just getting away with such crazy shit. And people are defending this too. There was uh, actually responded to a tweet from Simone Sanders, who is a senior advisor to Joe Biden. She tweeted, the comments made at the end of the Breakfast Club interview were in jest. But let's be clear about what the VP was saying. He was making the distinction that he would put his record with the African-American community up against up against Trump's any day, period. And here's the thing. I don't think he's going to win that argument. <laughs> Because his track record, like I tweeted at her, like Trump wouldn't rent apartments to black people in the 70s. Biden made sure lots and lots of black people had housing in the 80s and 90s because he signed all of those laws that made prison sentences for crack cocaine so much higher than for powder cocaine. Like it was he is directly responsible for the disproportionate incarceration of minorities throughout the 80s and 90s. And somehow we're living in a world where the party line is he has a better record when it comes to black people. And like someone responded to me this long fucking quote about how, oh, well, he served as VP for a black president. It's like, all right, like if that's your if that's your justification for it, go for it. But I I don't think as many people are as dumb as you think. Like if you really think people are dumb enough to go, oh, yeah, Biden his, his record is is great compared to Trump's when it comes to black people. People aren't going to see it that way. People aren't. It's fucking 2020. Motherfuckers have access to information. We know the difference. Oh, my God. This is going to be such a bloodbath. It's going to be awful. But the really interesting thing that I want to see as a result of all of this is what happens to his black uh, support uh, poll number wise. Because right now he has like an insurmountable lead when it comes to black support over Donald Trump, like depending on the poll you're referencing, it's probably somewhere in the 70s. Uh, it is a huge lead. It's it's I can't imagine it get, uh, like getting chipped away to the point where it becomes a significant uh, 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 it starts like tipping toward uh, Trump or something like that. But uh, it, I just I, I want to see how this affects, if any, uh, his his black support. I have no idea. It's going to be so interesting to watch. 
Yeah, and the the thing people don't ever mention about his support among black voters is he has a lot of support among older black voters. Mm-hmm. In the South Carolina primary, when it came to black voters under the age of 30, he and Sanders were pretty much split. And those are the voters who are going to hear shit like this and be like, no, I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. You fucking crazy. Yeah, and he has a lot of uh, support. Uh, like I know black men, uh, but I mean, uh, tend to go slightly more toward Trump. It's not a significant difference but i know black men tend to go more towards trump but that men is really just across the board with trump he's got pretty much everybody uh tipping toward him a little bit more than usual yeah that's not surprising i guess yeah men kind of fucking suck i like women way better (laughs) yeah black women's support of donald trump is incredible because it averages like three to six percent there you go that that tracks yeah it (sighs) I don't know. Forty, do you have any do you have any thoughts on I just feel what like makes a person yeah. black? Go. We'll give you four minutes to talk uninterrupted. I mean that that quote at the end was a real real humdinger there. But if you watch that entire interview with Joe Biden though, I like the, the end quote is the real humdinger there. Uh, but the whole thing is actually like how many times does Joe Biden say something akin to, Come on, man? <laughs> Throughout the course of that interview, because he's really drive like he's he's really trying hard to seem like he's cool for that entire interview. It was very perplexing. Yeah, it does have like white guy hanging out with his black friends vibe of like trying a little too hard to seem cool, which can be difficult around Charlemagne the God, particularly because he is like not a he's not an easy interviewer. He's very blunt and he will say shit that other interviewers, they kind of dance around. He just very plainly states things. And Trump does, I mean, Trump, uh, Biden does not handle plainly stated, bold questions because that's when he kind of has a, his own version of a Trumpian meltdown. But his always ends with fine, fucking vote for some other asshole. Fuck. I don't give a shit. See if I care. Yeah, it kills me that there are so many videos of him doing that. Just dismissing a good question with you should vote for someone else or you should vote for Trump. Yeah, it's such a white flags phrase that he throws out there when he clearly wants none of this conversation anymore. He's like, fuck it. If you have a problem with me, vote for the other asshole. See if I care. Yeah. And like deportations have always been my issue with Trump. My main issue, like the the thing I worry about most is his immigration policy. And I mention it all the time. There is a video out there of someone asking Biden if he will stop deportations. And Biden says, well, if you have a felony, we're still going to deport you. And people start chanting no more deportations. And he goes, oh, well, you should vote for Trump then. And it's like, why? Because Trump's going to stop deportations. That's where you'll get no more deportations right there with Donald Trump. Yeah. What an insane answer. And it to me, it speaks to another thing that worries me about Biden is he obviously doesn't care about the left. Like Biden doesn't have any intention of being progressive. And you can tell that with how he interacts with people who are asking him about progressive ideas. And like Biden will crack down on the left if we get too fucking unruly and he's president. And I don't like I just I don't fucking trust him any more than I trust Trump. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, at least we found Biden. And uh, yeah, that nickname too, President Tweedy. Did they workshop that? I'm guessing yes. Uh, intensely it was a it was several months a lot of conferences a lot of a lot of zoom meetings they tried out a lot of different things they tried president goofy once it probably at some point it is yeah and they settled finally after this long laborious r&d process on president tweety yeah how about just saying you're above nicknames take the high road or go the other way and just call him like a fuck face yeah like i don't know i feel like own it or don't engage Yeah, I just I shudder to think what a debate between Biden and Trump is going to look like. Like my only hope is that it has to happen remotely in the DNC can like deep fake Biden and answer questions for him. Like have Al Franken answer him like that's probably Al Franken was probably the last Democrat who could take Trump in a debate. Maybe Obama, but Obama's not going to be able to debate Trump. Al Franken would have been able to handle it, but. He groped all those women, so he had to leave office. Unlike Joe Biden. Weird. (laughs) So weird. I do think that their debate should be in like uh, quiz show style pods with headphones on. (laughs) 
<laughs> like it's still like like six feet away from each other, but like two men who look like they're about to be beamed up or frozen for eternity. Yeah, and the loser should be beamed up and frozen for eternity. <laughs> also, the winner. <laughs> oh, speaking of Trump, let's let's get to our next segment. <sighs> There's a lot of things happening in the world. It's easy with everything going on to lose sight of the most important thing happening in the world, which is that Trump is still our goddamn president and he's still out there in the world doing Trump things. Boy, that ended abruptly, that music. Let's talk about hydroxychloroquine. This is the weirdest fucking scandal to me because I feel like Trump is not actually taking hydroxychloroquine. Not a There's chance. no fucking way. Not at all. But he's insistent that he is. He said it in a Rose Garden press conference at one point and people were like, oh, we don't believe you. So his doctor issued this statement and it was meant like at least the way people took it was it was his doctor confirming that yes, Trump is taking hydroxychloroquine. But if you read the statement, it doesn't actually say that. He never says Trump has been prescribed hydroxychloroquine. It just says they talked about it and they've decided the benefits outweigh the risks. Never actually says he's taking it, though. And of all people, well, for one, Neil Cavuto from Fox News was one of the first people to criticize Trump about this. But then Joe Scarborough jumped in and basically said, look, I know Trump. I know like he's a a germaphobe, like he is very protective of his health in that way. And he's not taking a drug that his own doctors and the doctors on his administration have told him not to take. Which, if he's not, then what's all this about, I wonder? I don't understand the whole fascination, the whole... The, the conspiracy theory shit that sprung up with it, all the old people on like Facebook and Twitter that have just latched on to this as some kind of miracle cure. I don't know where it came from. There are some financial ties here and there that Trump has even with uh, the, uh, uh, the, the one of the companies that makes it. Um, but it doesn't seem strong enough, at least on the surface and what we know so far, to support this mass uh, obsession on the right with this thing that studies are every single week. There's like another report of, hey, guys, this thing will fucking kill you. It is an extremely dangerous substance that you should only take if you have malaria. Yeah. And even then, we did a Conspiracy the Show episode about a similar drug called mefloquin, which is an anti malarial drug also. And it was giving soldiers PTSD, like it causes hallucinations and all sorts of cognitive issues. And chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine can do the same thing. And yeah, a study just came out uh, like a day or two where researchers looked at data for more than 96,000 COVID patients from 671 hospitals. Among the 15,000 who are treated with hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, or one of those drugs combined with an antibiotic, about one in six of those patients treated with chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine alone died, compared to one in 11 patients in the control group. One in five treated with chloroquine and an antibiotic died. One in four treated with hydroxychloroquine and an antibiotic died. And the last time I talked about this, we have this right wing type who still somehow listens to all of our podcasts after all of these years. (laughs) And I reposted that conspiracy episode and he, he basically jumped in the comments and admonished me for spreading fake information. And it's like your president is spreading fake information. He's the one telling people to take this shit. Yeah, scientific data is like the exact opposite of fake information. It is the definition of the it's the realest information you can get. It's it 100 percent is. And the the thing he was suggesting was that because when I when I reposted this episode, it was when the guy in Arizona died from taking hydroxychloroquine, which he actually took fish tank cleaner, but (laughs) because it had hydroxychloroquine in it. And what he was suggesting was that I was spreading fake news by implying that Trump supporters were somehow inspired to take this because of what Trump said. 
Meanwhile, cut to, I think it was last week, there's a that uh, video that went viral of this reporter at a lockdown protest. And all of these Trump supporters are walking up and crowding his space and getting in his face. And one of them, at one point, when the reporter tells him to move, the guy goes, no, I'm fine. I have hydroxychloroquine. So if he didn't hear, and he was wearing a Trump shirt, for the record, like if that motherfucker didn't get that from Trump, where'd he get it from? Because there's certainly not any doctors or scientists telling people to take this shit. Yeah, no, it's 100% started by this administration, by Trump promoting it for no discernible reason. None of, none of these people would have known about it if they didn't jump on the bandwagon for it for just out of the blue. And it's just, it's so bizarre. And I, I really want somebody, I can't wait for like one day to do the big investigative reporting piece to figure out the exact origins of all of this because it is baffling, absolutely baffling. Oh, I, I got it already. little intuition here. Um, Okay, we just, as we mentioned earlier, people will do things for Trump, right? Like we like he could just tweet and then Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham jump. So we know he's got that power. Now combine that with the fact he probably heard early on in this that this was considered a treatment for the coronavirus. That's I mean, I forget how long ago. I mean, when did twenty twenty start? Like thirty years ago? It's been a while. Something like that. When we first heard about this drug. And then he mentioned it in one of his daily press briefings. And I think that was like, what do you got to lose? That was the that one, right? What do you got to yeah. lose? A common refrain in the Trump world. If he were to go back on that now, it would be admitting he was wrong, right? When is the last time he did that? That's true. That's a good point. His his brain latches on to things at seemingly at random. It's whenever he has a brief moment of lucidity and he, he actually pays attention a word enters his mind. It's a big, nice, fancy word. And then the mind shuts again and the word just rattles around and he just keeps saying it. And then, like you said, it, 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 his, his pride kicks in and he can't back down ever. Yeah. And it's I, I think there's, you know, if it's not that, I feel like it could be a combination of that and also just Trump hoping he's right and hoping that anecdotal evidence starts trickling in about people somehow I don't know, robbing a lupus patient of their hydroxychloroquine and using it to treat their coronavirus and it worked. And then Trump will be able to go, see? But then also with that statement they put out, if a lot of people start dying, he'll be able to go, it never said I was taking that. And then we'll be like, well, you did say you were taking it in the Rose Garden. And he'll go, no, I didn't. And we'll go, okay, next story. It's it's just so bizarre. He has He does... It's, I'm always marvel at the fact that he can lie so effortlessly and with such, at times, such confidence. Other times, he's not. You could very clearly see that he's just stammering his way through a lie. But he often does have the confidence of a guy who swears he can backflip off the roof of a like into the pool, and then he eats shit on the cement deck. Like it's he just he he's so he's so confident about everything, and I think. For a good chunk of people, they're just like, well, if he's that adamant about it, it must be true. There's a book I suggest all the time. I actually did a solo episode of this podcast about it. It's called The Authoritarians. If you Google it, you can actually read it online for free. It's uh, so which makes it weird for me to say it's also kind of hard to find. But it's not like you can't buy it on Amazon. There's an audible. There's an audiobook version of it also. But it's written by this guy named Bob Altemeyer who... For years and years and years, he was a professor at University of Manitoba. And for years and years and years, he gave incoming freshmen this survey that was meant to determine how likely they were to follow an authoritarian leader. And this work that he did over the course of several years ended up being uh, kind of foundational to understanding those types of voters And the thing about people who follow authoritarian leaders is once that person says something, that's that's who they're listening to. Everyone else who dissents is just there to stop their chosen leader from succeeding. And it feels like we've hit the point or maybe we hit it years ago where this administration knows that's what their base is. Those are the people they're dealing with. And now it's just kind of like, well, what else can we get them to do? And I don't mean that they would be doing that in a, a fun, oh, we're so bored, let's fuck with the voters kind of way. But that's valuable information. Like, how far can you push these people 
before they finally go, no, what you're saying is crazy. And we somehow have not reached that point yet. I don't think there will be a point for for his most hardened hardened supporters. I think there is uh, no limit to anything he can say that they won't defend or won't twist themselves into a fucking pretzel to justify. He, uh, if you want to talk about when they figured it out, I think around the time Trump said he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, he was very plainly stating, "Oh, I know these people." will do anything because I think he understands them pretty well. I think he gets that they will just follow him no matter what. And he he's just going to keep doing that and see how far he can push it. And probably not even willingly. I think he just kind of naturally it's like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. They'll, they'll stick with me. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And another story that demonstrates how dangerous that is, is Trump has also taken recently to saying coronavirus is going to disappear. It, it will just disappear as if by miracle, which again, his supporters are going to hear that and go, what the fuck? Like, what's it matter? This is just going to disappear anyway. And I was racking my brain to figure out where he came up with that idea. And I think I know uh, in her 2000 book or in her 2008 book, End of Days, Self-described psychic, although I don't know what other kind of psychic there is. Are there like medically verified? So every, everything I read about her calls her a self-described psychic. It's like, point me to the government-sanctioned psychics then. She wrote this. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. And here's the thing. This first went viral because Kim Kardashian tweeted it. And if Kim Kardashian can talk Trump into letting a black woman out of prison, she can definitely talk Trump into believing coronavirus is going to disappear as if by magic. So I think that's where he's getting it from. I think he's basing things he gets in front of the country and tells America on a 2008 book by a discredited psychic. No. It's, first of all, with the Kardashian angle you got going, it's sad. And I guess not to be, uh, it's not unexpected, but how much of this presidency has a trashy tabloid celebrity angle to it? Like every, it's so much of it. It's, it's, It's the presidency... That you you pick up at the checkout lane just to find out what Bat Boy has been up to. I, I like I I value what Kim Kardashian is doing. Justice reform is a really important thing, and I wish more people like her would try to get in Trump's ear and get him to do good things. I also just wish Trump wasn't on Twitter. I wish no president in history was ever allowed to be on Twitter or look at Twitter or have like Twitter should be blocked in Washington D.C. If you want Twitter, you fucking move to a new part of the country. I love how uh, when Obama got on, it was like seen as this revolutionary. Oh, my God. A president can communicate directly with us on a social media platform. How, how amazing. How innovative. Literally, the next president just shits all over that idea. Hey, you dumb fucks. Drink this poison, you idiots. Yeah. I'd be fine with the government having a Twitter, but not individual politicians. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Uh, all right. Let's get to our last segment we might just talk about the coronavirus thing since we're running a little long here we go hey this is a segment we call what in the world where we talk about things happening in not america which is the scientific definition for the globe let's fade this out shall we let's talk about this conspiracy theory The new Australian $10 bill, Lewis 40, includes a reference to plot, a reference to the plot to vaccinate the world against COVID-19. I mean, yes, of course, obviously. Yeah, I put all my conspiracies on legal currency. (laughs) Out in the open, right in anybody's hands, man. Yeah, it's just, just like the dollar bill has all those Freemason symbols on back. Now, Australia's bill has coronavirus symbols on it. This this is one you can chalk up to the pandemic video. Has anyone seen the pandemic video? Absolutely not. I have things to watch that are significantly better. I have cooking videos on YouTube to watch. I got Bon Appetit. All right. I got Claire making fucking delicious desserts. I'm not spending my time watching a bunch of maniacs on YouTube spread conspiracy theories. No, thank you, sir. How about you, 40? Yes. 
<laughs> you have seen it? No, I was just uh, just wanted to be contrarian. Damn it! See, here's the thing: you can't even find it now. It's it's like a fucking Michael Jordan rookie card. It is rare. They we did a really effective job of shutting the pandemic video down because I was considering watching it just to like do an episode debunking it or something like that. Oh no, you cannot find like. Honest request from the listeners, someone send me the pandemic video. I just want to see it for journalistic reasons, if nothing else. But it's also fascinating to me how hard it is to find. I mean, it makes sense from an algorithm standpoint, kind of. If you Google pandemic, you're going to get articles from a ton of websites that are bigger than the website hosting that video. But goddamn, I can't like I can't even find that woman's website. Well, it is a it is a cat's out of the bag kind of scenario. Like it's out there. It did it's did its job. Now that it's unavailable, it will reach this very quickly reach like a cult status. I mean, it fucking already was a bunch of cult madness, but it's going to reach a cult status of that. And it's going to be like that hard thing that you can't find, maybe only find on the torrent sites or something like that. Uh, it's going to be the underground sensation among the paranoid and delusional. God damn it, why didn't I check a torrent site? Yeah, there you go. There we go. Anyway, people in Australia have managed to tie this theory to the, I said the new Australian $10 bill. It's relatively new. In the Facebook post that caused this thing to go viral, they call it the new Australian $10 bill. But it first started circulating in September 2017. And that post on Facebook, the caption said, the new $10 Australian note complete with coronavirus symbols. You can't make this up. Hashtag, are you awake yet? (laughs) And I'm not going to lie. It does vaguely resemble what coronavirus looks like under a microscope. And that's because what it actually is, is the golden wattle, which is the national flower of Australia, which if you look at it, has a very similar structure to that image we've all seen of coronavirus under a microscope. But of the two, it makes way more sense that that would be the golden waddle on Australia's $10 bill, as opposed to coronavirus cells, maybe. Does it, though? That's true. Bill Gates does run Australia. We all know that. He's the one spreading this, by the way. Crickets in the room, like you don't even realize Bill Gates is plotting to control the world through vaccinations geez look i'm trying not to say anything that might anger uh my boss and savior bill gates the man who monitors my entire life and rule and controls everything i say in the media yeah i do i do find it interesting that bill gates has become the big enemy here like that guy spent his entire life fighting malaria like uh, yeah i feel like if you wanted who have been doing the exact thing that they need to be doing in order to get us through this shit have all been made villains by a subset of maniacs out there. Yes, that is 100% true. And it's so indicative of how things like this always go in this country. Like it's just blows my mind how bad partisan politics have been for this country. Like every, it's all a team sport now, even The act of believing that there is a virus out there killing people is somehow a partisan thing. It's nuts. And we are so doomed unless Joe Biden saves us. And he will. I just saluted, by the way. I don't know if you could tell, but I saluted. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the the general thesis of this episode. Uh, Joe Biden will save us. And if you have questions about whether you're black or not, ask him. Yeah. He will confirm or deny. So, yeah, that's not. Fucking coronavirus on the Australian $10 bill. Even even Snopes knows that. I linked to a Snopes article for this, and I fucking hate Snopes. Like like this is 2007 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Snopes is, like, I, I sometimes take issue with how much faith we put in the people who debunk things. Like, there's almost no critical thought when it goes into that. Like, sometimes Snopes debunks things, and when you read it, it's like, you're not thinking about this hard enough, but they're right this time in that, uh, no, this is not even sort of true, but you didn't need us to tell you that. I think that's our episode. Do we have anything else? Any final thoughts from anyone? No. Absolutely none. I got nothing. Uh, well, thank you both for doing it. Do we uh, have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just my normal everyday cracked work that I do. And then I uh, also want to plug my work on this podcast. I think it's excellent. Uh, so listen to this podcast, um, for the next one, and then the previous ones, and that's it. Listen to them all, please. Already, how about you? I'm going to plug uh, Seth Rogen's Twitter, because I like Seth Rogen. That makes sense. Yeah. 
You can follow Seth Rogen at Adam Todd Brown on Twitter <laughs> uh, and on Instagram. And yeah, patreon.com slash unpops uh, for really cheap. You get everything we put out every month or unpops.supercast.tech. You can subscribe to a bunch of our other stuff there. I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Lewis, say goodbye. Bye. 40, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.